0: Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry, with your host, Jackie Maddox. Here we are today with another episode of the Women in Electronics podcast series our leader in highlight today is colin struther from rochester uh, electronics and so i wanted to introduce him i'm so grateful and honored to have you on the program and i'm going to turn it over to you colin to introduce yourself your title and what you do at your organization
1: well thank you jackie and thanks for having me on the podcast it's a pleasure to be here um, so I'm Executive Vice President of Rochester Electronics, and uh, in my role, I'm responsible for global sales, marketing, supplier development, products and technology, supply chain operations and uh, business applications. Uh, but what that really boils down to is driving customer success. So there's there's three things that I'm really focused on, which is maximising our product offer, uh, customer engagement and a frictionless experience. Um and uh, a huge focus for the company at the minute, me personally, is our digital transformation strategy, uh, as we try to meet the customer uh, where they're at online, offline or or a combination.
0: Well, that's a big job. Uh, definitely needed right now, uh, for sure. So, OK, so this is a big position. Uh, there's just been a lot going on in our industry and in- in the world as a leader navigating in this time. um, If you reflect back, like, tell us a little bit of your background and your history and kind of what led you to this point of this leadership position you have now.
1: Sure. Um, So I've been in the industry now for, wow, uh, I think it's nearly 32 years and uh, it's went by in a flash and um, I started out as a as an engineer at a contract manufacturer, um, which is now uh, owned by Plexus, in the Scottish location, um, moved into field sales roles with suppliers, and then sales management. Ultimately, joining Rochester in 2007 as European Sales Director, built up the business in uh, in EMEA, and then in 2014 moved to the US to uh, to assume some global responsibilities so I've been with the company for um 16 years uh but the uh, the industry is the only industry I've ever worked in so in, in some instances it's uh it, it would appear to be a big role but it, it's all I've ever done and it's all I've ever known so uh and I have really always enjoyed it so to me it's just uh it's just a continuous journey and progression
0: that's really good. Where are you from? Tell us about your background or wh- where did you grow up with this accent of yours? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, uh, I, I, I do have a, a hint of an accent. Uh, so I, I was born in Edinburgh in Scotland and uh, my wife is from from the area and my children were also born in Scotland as well, although we, we moved uh, near London for many years before the US. So being Scottish... Um, is is certainly more of a blessing than a curse. Sometimes when it comes to communicating, I have to try to speak a little more slowly. But um, I think because Scotland was never really a sovereign nation for for hundreds of years, uh, we tended not to offend too many people. So I've been very, very fortunate on my travels that um, the Scottish accent uh, does, does bring curiosity. And uh, I always travel with uh, good manners, uh, a sense of humour and a smile, And that's really helped me um, globally uh, for for many years, especially as you're dealing with different people from different backgrounds and and, and different cultures.
0: Oh, and, you know, I have to say, I'm just saying my experience, most people... Uh, Scottish people that I've met are very pleasant. Uh, to, And I love what you said, you know, manners, uh, that's so important. Being pleasant, having that smile takes you so far. Uh, I really appreciate that a lot. And I have experienced that with, uh, you know, people from Scotland for some reason, that you must really enjoy your upbringing or something in Scotland.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I, I, was, I was in the UK last week and I, I was able to get to Scotland for the weekend past and I saw my mum, So um, I think when I meet with my mom, she still sees me as like a five year old kid. So if, if she caught me talking to someone without using good manners, uh, she's always in the background reminding me of what's right and wrong. Right. So I think I think it probably comes from uh, upbringing and um, hopefully something that we my wife and I instill in our kids as well.
0: Oh, I love that. The values. And we're going to get into that. But OK, so here you are. Um, in your organization what do you the organization as it you know in its own right is is very successful and has accomplished a lot what do you attribute to the success of the organization
1: it it really all started with an idea and our our um, founder and uh, ceo uh, mr kargarish um founded the business in 1981 and at that point the the industry was probably a little less, um, a little less mature, and he, he felt there was a need for a, a, an authorized source of ongoing supply of components that had uh, became end of life. So, really, I feel that he was a, a, a pioneer in our industry, who who found a, a, a need um, for the supplier community and the customer, the customer base, and, and really built the company on, on that idea. And I look at the mission statement uh that we have today and we we've looked at this many times over the last um I guess over 40 years but we've never changed it because it's it's the business is 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 built on a a a foundational idea and, and then core principles and uh the one that always shines out to me is uh making the customer glad they called and when I mentioned earlier that one of my uh, main focus is, is customer engagement and then I led on to meeting the customer where they're at. We, we, we've always maintained that philosophy and the other element is our culture. And you know th- there's a phrase that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Well you, you, you need it too because you need to be able to take a vision, to a plan, to a strategy, to tactics, to results. But as we've grown over the years and massively in the last 16 years I've been here, you know, we're, we're we're in every major market globally. Um, and as we get bigger, it's trying to identify and bring people to our company that, that have you know can, can bring diversity, uh, but also have core values, and we we fight hard to preserve them. And I think that has is really our success. And during the last uh, two three years of the pandemic, you know, with the shortages, especially, we were. You know, we're working really, really hard to meet customer demand. And, you know, we, we weren't necessarily on time always with everything we've done. And we, we kind of take that personally. But then as I came out of COVID and met with customers face to face, the the reception I got was, was tremendous because where we maybe felt that we were not doing as well as we wanted with our standard. The customer base really did appreciate the efforts that we we went to and you know not everything goes right all of the time but i think it's how you react when things don't and the, the honesty and transparency that you have so um to me it, it it it's it's it was very clear upon joining rochester that this was the company culture which is one of the reasons i actually did join and then one of the reasons i moved myself and family to the us in 2014 on a permanent basis and um, you know i'm very proud that we we hold ourselves to these values each and every day. Well,
0: that is really powerful. I think um I wrote down you said culture eats strategy. That is so true. And if we could just get people to understand that culture is felt throughout the entire organization, and it all starts from the top, and it has to be authentic and real. So I really like that. And then you also said that, um, that spirit of wanting the customer to call and have them be happy that they called. Right now in our time, you know, it's interesting. We're blocked from that a lot. It's like you barely can get a phone number on a website anymore, right? You can't talk to people. You're just, oh, go online and figure it out yourself. I actually love that you said that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I think, Jackie, that, you know, I hear you exactly, um, you know, whether it's trying to call the cable company or or whatever else it might well be, and in a world of AI and AI bots that that certainly have their place in guiding the conversation, uh, but sometimes now when you 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 call in your personal life, it's actually a relief to to reach someone at the other end of the phone that, that yes. listens to your problem and and helps you solve it. So much as digital transformation is a huge focus, really. I was in Brazil recently and um, I was talking to a customer, and you know the the lady wanted to and to. to to meet face to face to just to see how we could help her be more successful. She also wanted to talk to her inside salesperson real time, um, but she also wanted to go online and and get the information that she might need very very quickly and self serve. So, really, I think today, for me, you you've got to meet the customer where they're at, but in in every way that they want to be met, um, and and that's what we're really striving to do and. You know, as an old fashioned engineer and field sales guy at heart, it's kind of heartening to me that there's still a place for for me and uh, and our team to make a difference. Right. Uh, you can't beat the human connection. And it's the it's probably one of the favorite things about my role. I'm just back from the UK. Um, in a couple of weeks, I'll be in, a, in an event in Washington, D.C., then off to Arizona, then off to China. And, you know, it's it was a sacrifice to my family for me doing that. but. Um, I get huge energy from that. I always have done. I'm kind of curious. So it's kind of heartwarming after the pandemic, which is quite difficult for someone like me, as you can imagine, yes. to, to sit still in one place, um, to be out and about. Now, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a blessing to be able to do that. And uh, I certainly, certainly don't take it for granted. Uh, I never did, but even more so after the the, the challenges that we've been through.
0: Yes. And I think you make a good point. Um, Before I go into my next question for you, I just want to comment that um, the AI conversation that you're talking about and the digital transformation, um, we have to be careful as an industry not to lose our humanity and not yeah. to lose that human connection. So a lot of us who grew up in this industry, same thing. I remember a day when I could go pull up to a customer with all my catalogs in the back of my trunk and pull out what was, you know, go <laughs> into the lobby Ask if the engineer was there and they'd say, sure, I'll go see, you know, and I could just show up. Right. And I would just sit in the lobby, talk about some things and then follow up later. And it was really just nice in that regard. So we have so many barriers now. And I think you're right. We just cannot replace that human condition. So us as an industry as we're moving forward with technology and advancing so many things we do we also have to be thinking of these things as how are we meeting the customer where they're at and, and having that ability for them to meet in person as well
1: yeah it, 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 you know you can think of the oxyboron there uh, we are the industry that's driving artificial intelligence it is built on semiconductor products for example yep. but th- th- there's a balance I, I i i got the train from edinburgh to, to uh, london on sunday and um, I tried to read about um, generative AI and I tried to understand it a little bit. And, um, you know, I, th- I think there's going to be real good uses for good. Um, it's just got to be done in the right way. We've got, and I, and I think there's a lot of talk, talk on this at the moment. And, um, you know, it's an exciting topic, um, but it also reminds me a little about, about the movies. I'm a big movie fan of like The Terminator and these types of things where a machine takes over a man. So um, there's always a balance, but there's something heartwarming in, in the human connection. And, uh, you know, I, I I don't think there's anything that will ever replace that.
0: Yes, and let's hope not. But again, uh, to piggyback on what you just said, we do have to be looking at the future of what work looks like, because AI will take over a lot of uh, positions. So we do as an industry need to be collaborating and talking through these issues more to decide moving forward in five years or 10 years, what does the condition of work look like? What are those positions? And how do we prepare now? And how do we factor in humanity? So I think these are just critical conversations.
1: I read an article last week, Jackie, and I think it was uh, one of the major banks were talking about AI could put 300 million jobs at jeopardy worldwide. But then it went on to talk about um, the effect of the Industrial Revolution, and then the the, the introduction of the, the the personal computer, and how that then um, that then kind of generated future growth, future job creation, etc. So that that was an interesting thought. It's 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 how can you get to that point without incurring a negative along the way, right? Because uh, we don't want to be losing people, certainly people in our industry as well, as we then wait for for that change to occur. So it's it's an interesting um, dilemma, but I guess we we're we're we very fortunate that we're actually at the heart of this because we are we are in the middle of the industry and on the, the components that is going to drive it, so we can be part of that conversation,
0: which is so fascinating to me, and I'm so glad I could actually talk to you about these things. So talking about conversations and and you know the whole conversation we're having, um so much involved with our industry getting where we want to go, looking at things moving forward and how, how how we have to do things so differently. But if you look at that, what I rely on mentors, right? I rely on people I look up to and aspire to or people I get input from who have been your mentors along the way and who is it that you'll be looking for you know as we move forward?
1: That's a great question. When you know, when, when you think of what what does mentorship mean? Um, to me, it means advice and support. And you know, I'm, I think I've been very fortunate to get that from a lot of different people at different times in my career. Um, really, in every company I've I worked for, you know, I worked for, as I say, contract manufacturer. Uh, I worked for Arrow Electronics, uh, a variety of other companies, and there's always been people who have been there to help and guide me um in rochester over the last 16 years i have been fortunate to get that you know this might sound a bit unusual but from 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 my my own team right um you know i, I believe in servant leadership and um believe me my team are confident to give me um advice um which is, which is great um but but in rochester itself my my uh, my, my manager mr chris garrish um our our co president uh, he's always been there uh, to give me advice and direction, but not not just from a business perspective. So, for example, when I moved over to the US um, in two thousand and fourteen, he was aware that my children were young and my you know you know we, we didn't have the support network. So, whether that was helping helping look at where I was going to live or making sure that um, my family were going to be um, happy and my kids would be. Prosper, uh, prospering in school um and e- even on on a more personal level, um inviting me to his home for the my first day of thanksgiving. so so I've got a lot of people to be thankful uh, to, but as I say, today it's my uh, my, my team uh, and uh, and and my manager that are that are always there and and sometimes you 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 don't have to be overly present because as I travel a lot I'm on my own a lot, for example um but it's knowing that the the people are there for you in any circumstance when you need them and i try to make sure that that's that's something that i am doing myself um anybody needs me for anything i'm i'm hopefully there to spring into action and uh and provide that to them because i think it's kind of a reciprocal thing
0: i think and you meant you mentioned something kind of critical um as a leader in your position It is sometimes actually a little lonely because you are on your own a lot, like traveling and different, you know, hotels and, you know, being gone from your family. So sometimes it is a little lonely and it is nice to know you have that support system, uh, for you. So good to know for other people when they're reaching out, you know, we just never know what somebody needs at that time. So I think that mentorship. Being a mentor and having mentors or just even that support system, as you mentioned, is so critical. Um, yes. And so, OK, so that leads me to my next question, though. So what are some of your leadership Guiding principles. So you mentioned values um, and just kind of how you want to live your life and in, in the company and what the company stands for. So what are your guiding principles that um, you live by, but also that you would impart on a next generation of leaders?
1: You know, that's a great question, and I, you know, I spend a lot of time at airports and I pick up books, and uh, and you know, I, I I'm always busy but you can be busy in your own thoughts as well I'm always thinking things you can, you can create something physically and you can create in your mind so I'm always looking to yes. learn something and um, I'm a big reader of um, autobiographies as well right so you know you quite often though I, I'll, I'll buy a book and if, if it doesn't talk to me I just I just really put it down the Scotsman in me hates the fact I've wasted 10 20 bucks but I put it down right and <laughs> there's so many books on leadership and and actually there's a lot of conflicting thoughts to this. So um, I believe I believe you have to be your authentic self. Uh, you know, if, if you're looking to do any role where you're looking to, to bring people with you, to inspire people, it, it's got to be authentic and it's got to be built on trust, which is seeing what you're going to do and doing what you say. And I, I could go into a lot more theoretical uh, answers, but... Authenticity and trust, uh, I, I think, are the it's what it's it's what I focus on. And um, you know, everyone has their own their own style. I think inside Rochester, uh, I, I probably have a very unique style. Um, but I'm very grateful to the Gerrish family because the the one thing they've always allowed me to do, which I think has helped me be successful and others, is to be my authentic self, um, uh, warts and all. So. Um, Yeah. Authenticity and trust.
0: Well, I really like that. And to circle back, I love that you mentioned your mom and it's like you've got that mom in the back of your head a lot saying, "Okay, use nice manners, uh, you know, present yourself well. I love that, too. And you also had mentioned servant leadership, which I really appreciate because that is saying humble leadership. Right. That it's important to be humble and always have that spirit of curiosity like you were talking about yeah. as well. Yeah.
1: And the, the spirit of curiosity, I, uh, you know, growing up in Scotland in the 70s and 80s, um, you know, it was a it was a time of, uh, you know, a lot of change. You know, a lot of the, the, the industries, the traditional industries are um, uh, closed. There's a lot of kind of those like um, social unrest and strikes and things. And um, I've always been a big, um, a big movie television person, and um, that curiosity—it was like it was a window to a world, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that's why I actually live in America today. Is um, I was always curious to to go far and wide and to to meet different people of different cultures, um, uh, you know, different languages. And um I th- I think that's really a blessing in my role because if you're if you're going to do any global role, uh you've 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 really got to strive to think of how you can reach the person that's that's farthest from you physically uh than the person that's your next door neighbor in the office. And I think one of the reasons um uh my boss, Mr. Chris Gerrish, brought me to the US was because I already came with a lot of knowledge of the company, but I'd, I'd spent um, maybe seven years in a different region that wasn't at corporate. And if you're the the EMEA guy um, with the Scottish accent, when you leave Scotland, you're having to think about your accent and, and different cultures, and especially the UK. You know, we're, we're we're an island, but we're 22 miles from from our our, our our neighbor across the channel. So when you have that kind of role. You're visiting Scandinavia. You're visiting uh, the Middle East. You're visiting uh, all across Europe. So it, it's 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 a it's a massive collection of cultures and languages and experiences all at once. So coming to the US with with with, with you know with, with with tremendous culture and history and diversity, and then being able to go into Asia, um, it, it really is um, a, a tremendous. Uh, opportunity for someone of my curiosity. And, and again, um, I guess I've got a bit of a, an addiction to continue to spread the gospel about Rochester. And, uh, you know, we're, we're continually looking to open new locations. We we will we'll open another two or three um, this year, Italy, Taiwan. Uh, we've just uh, hired in Brazil. And um it, it does mean a lot of time away as we talked about. But then again, I'm 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 reading, I'm watching, I'm listening, I'm learning, and I'm lost in my own thoughts. So um it's 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 a it's a real privilege and uh and again when I'm in these locations, Jackie, it's it's so so important for me when say I'm in Singapore or I'm in Sao Paulo that that, that person Feels as connected to Rochester as I do, and that customer feels as connected to Rochester as the customers here in Massachusetts. So, um, yeah, it all kind of comes together, and I'm just fortunate that I feel that the role fits me. And uh, if if it does, and you enjoy it, it 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 it, it kind of natural, right? Which comes right back to authenticity.
0: Mm, I love that. Um we had had a prior conversation as well and you said one thing that struck me and that was that uh at Rochester in your type of leadership you look at who people are versus what they can do um to bring out their full potential so just speak to that real quick as we get to the conclusion uh of the interview i have a couple more things to ask you
1: Sure and you know we're, we're, we're privately um founded their own company and um you know we're, we're we're beholden to ourselves and when i interview people that when I, it's a two part obviously there's a two parts to this so so hold on for part 2 don't worry but i i believe that the expectations on that person should be the highest of of any other uh company in their career and the reason is is because we are going to measure people not only what they do but who they are. Now the second part is because we're going to value people for not only what they do but who they are and I, I joke that you know if, if I had someone join and they were able to do uh, 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 something but they had an evil twin that could do a little more, I will I will never hire the evil twin right because we will work with that person and we'll get a better result in the long term Anyway, and it all comes back to the start of the conversation when we talked about culture. So we spend a lot of time on hiring accuracy. Um, but ultimately, it's it's relatively easy to 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 find the right people because what you're looking for is core values. And if people have the right core values, then you know there may be skills that we that we can teach um, and competencies that we can teach but you can't teach core values it, it comes from within back back to my mum right uh, back to your upbringing so um sometimes it can look complicated from the outside but I think sometimes the the the, the, the easiest way to do things is to kind of simplify them
0: Oh that's <laughs> You're preaching to the choir here. It's the hardest thing in this world is to simplify, right? But I love that too. So, okay. So I have just a couple more things to talk to you about, but um, maybe I'll just throw this in one question Um, is, so we look at our leadership, we look at where we're going moving forward. We know that the human component in leadership is so essential, right? In our modern day. Um, So what are the things, if we look at you as a person, as a leader, just you individually, um, what are the things that make you sad as a human and what are the things that make you happy? (laughs) Um,
1: It's a good, it's a good question. I think we've touched on this before. So I, uh, I, you know, Scottish People are—it's a kind of unique dynamic where, if you think of a Scottish person, you maybe think we're very, very passionate, and that's true. But there's a stoicism as well. So I—I, um, I, you know, my parents picked me up from the train station at uh, the weekend, and there was a kind of rather awkwardness of—is it a hug or is it a handshake for dad? And of course, it's a hug, right? But so we're—we're—we're we're, we're, we're typically not great at showing some inner emotions. Uh, but then we can be quite passionate in a fiery type of way. So um, I thought a lot about this since we last spoke and you know, what it boils down to, what I really, 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 really dislike is injustice in, in any shape or form. I, it, you know, uh, I think of movies that I watch and someone someone that's innocent taking a plea deal, and I'm like, don't do it, don't do it! And I think of movies that um, make me emotional at the end, whether it's E.T. or Rocky, where 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 triumph of good yes. over evil right so yes. so what what makes me what makes me unhappy is is any form of injustice and this is really you know why i'm so pleased that we're 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 partnering with women in electronics because what we want to really drive here as well is our our core principles about diversity inclusion uh, and, and belonging right so that there's no one excluded from a from a, a conversation um what makes me happy when I think about my career? I mean, I could talk about Glasgow Rangers, my soccer team. If they win, it makes me happy. If they get beat, it makes me very unhappy. But that's that—that's something slightly different. But when I think about my career, and you know, one of the, the areas I'm focused on is, is, is you know, it's driving the revenue number. It's a business. Um, and but I never think of the orders that we've won or the orders that we've lost. And when I'm lost in my thoughts or I'm on my phone on an aircraft, I'm looking at the moments. I'm looking at the moments where I may be celebrating Chinese New Year with colleagues and, and listening to my terrible karaoke um, or just spending time with people. Right. And I, I really do feel in, in my life and my career where I or the company has been most successful is where you've got a collection of people all working together successfully towards the a common aim. And, and that's where the magic happens. And you know, as 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 a as a people manager, sometimes it can be, you know, it's a little brutal, right? Because you, you know, people are, are are all doing different things. But the 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 most inspiring aspect of my role that that makes me happiest, which can can answer the whole question, is when you get a group of people coming together in alignment and it feels like an unstoppable force but when you see the happiness that people get from it as well individually and collectively uh if, if you could bottle that Jackie it, it that would be that would be it for me.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, and, and really that provides a sense of belonging to people, right? I mean, that just makes you feel like no matter how different you are, you belong in that group. And I, I really yeah. think it's a core, something that we all really want to feel a part of something. We all want to feel like we belong. And so really, we're really grateful uh, that we're in this partnership together uh, for Women Electronics and, and your organization and you as a leader. So I just want to thank you for that. And any final words from you before we sign off on our podcast
1: um yeah so you know one of the reasons that that I really wanted to 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 have the conversation and for Rochester to be you know partnering with women in electronics um i was at electronica in um in november and we took a group picture and um i, I was really delighted when i looked at the picture with the you know the 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 diversity we had across the team participating at the show, uh, role types, um, gender, culture, background. It, I was really, really delighted, but then when I studied it more, there was an area of of the group that that was really really male dominated, and that was our field sales team. So I really thought, why is that? And I, we we tend to hire Technically led um, people from an engineering background like myself, so they you know they can understand the products and they 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 can have the engaged conversation. And and I then thought back to my time at college uh, when I did uh, electronic engineering, and there was only one lady in the class, and and she never finished the course. So when I think of it and I look at the statistics on STEM, for example, I I think we've got to we've got to do more to encourage. Um, the broadest pool uh, uh, to to be interested in our industry, and I think it starts at a college level. And you know, talking to my own daughter, who's um, who's uh, a will graduate this year from UH, UNH, um, she's been a, an intern at Rochester uh, I- every summer for many years, and she's grew up through through the company. Um, but she thinks of tech as as uh, SaaS providers, for example, as 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 Netflix, as Google, um, I think of tech as electronic components of of PCBs, yes. um, and but the, the software is built on hardware, and, um, I think I'm hopeful that with the you know the unfortunate shortages and the, the focus on semiconductors as, as a result of the pandemic, but now with the CHIPS Act and there's other acts in the UK and around the world, are, are we going to go through a bit of a renaissance of our industry that we can attract people to it, who otherwise wouldn't really think of it because, you know, thir- th- over 30 years into it, it's maybe more of a mature industry for me, but it's not. It's it's technology. So I just wanted to kind of finish on that, that, that one of the reasons to, to, to really partner with you is I really do believe that there's an opportunity right here, right now, to, to drive the, the most inclusive um, base to come into our industry at a variety of levels, but particularly at the level of education. Uh, so we can do more to 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 level the statistics uh, of of people interested in STEM at the moment because uh, I think we're probably biased on this call, but we we love our industry, right? So 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 we need to share that because it's a fantastic industry, it's an exciting industry. It's it certainly uh, um, has its turbulence, um, but it's it's it gives us the opportunity to to you know we talked about AI, but at least we can get involved in that conversation. And here at Rochester, we're continuing to support current businesses and and legacy businesses with our ongoing source of product supply. So um, I think the time is now and I'm really hopeful that there's enough power and enough initiatives behind us that we can we can really make a difference in the coming years. And, um, you know, maybe my daughter is interested in semiconductors. Maybe she comes to work for Rochester or, or another company. Maybe, maybe she does something different. I don't mind what she does, but, but I think that everyone, everyone really should, should look at our industry equally to other industries.
0: I love that final note because I agree with you a hundred percent and I really believe that we need to put ourselves more on the map as far as being a part of the tech world and not just in the background, right? It's not just all the software and digital. It it has to happen collectively. So With that, uh, we are on the same page with a lot of things, and I've really enjoyed this conversation very much, and uh, very grateful and honored to have uh, you all as a part of our sponsor family. So thank you so
1: much. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.